This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And this show that you're listening to right now, that's going into your earballs, this is show number 400. I've done 400 Dimland radios here on the Ztalk Radio Network. Uh, the let's see about 115 of them once this gets posted 115 of those 400 shows are available on iTunes and through Podbean so you can either subscribe on iTunes please do or you can follow on Podbean you can do that too and you do both you are one or the other but you know why not do both uh, and if you would please leave a nice review for me on the iTunes and five star review. If you don't want, if you don't like the show, what are you listening to it for? But anyway, uh, anyway, it's, so 400 shows, 400 shows, and not only that, not only that, this is darn close, three days short of my nine year anniversary of doing Dimland Radio. Here on the Z Talk Radio Network, Z, you know, nine years. I went on the air uh, March thirteenth, twenty ten. Did my first show. I started hanging out at Z Talk Radio in the chat rooms because a friend of mine had a had a show on here. Uh, it, and when it when I first started listening, the station was called Dark Plains Radio, and then they changed it to Z Talk Radio, and uh, and I would be listening to my friend's show, and I'd be in the chat room, and I'd be being skeptical. And then I started listening to other shows, a couple other ones, and I'd be in the chat room, and I'd be being skeptical. And uh, But I would be... I tried to be good-natured about it, uh, and the folks started to like me in the chat rooms. And I did a couple guest appearances on my friend's show, and it started to be suggested that I do my own program on Z Talk Radio. Uh, Scotty Rorick, the owner of the station, uh, I said, I asked him, I said, uh, what do you guys think if I did a show? And he was very excited about it. They wanted a resident skeptic here on Z Talk Radio. They thought it would be great if I did it. They seemed to like me, and, and you know, they th- we think you'll do a fine job. And uh, so they took a chance. Not that big a chance, but I started doing this show. I started doing it live. Now I still do it essentially live, the same way I did it then. I still I just sit down with the laptop and I just do the show. I don't edit. 
I just do it. I, I do it as though this was a, a radio program that happens every day in America and around the world where guys go into a radio station, they sit down, and they talk. And if they make a mistake, they make a mistake. They correct it the next show or they correct it the next hour. Somebody calls them up or something. But if they flub a word or anything like that, that's just just part of it. You don't get the chance to take out the the awkward pauses or the ums or the the mouth clicks or you know smacking the lips or something like that. You don't you don't get to go through and click take all that stuff out and tighten it all up or uh, take out the bad joke that didn't quite work. You don't you just you just go, and that's how I do this. Uh, partly because it's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> I just it's easy, but not only is this show number 400 and nine years of being on Z Talk Radio. I found this out, um, I think it was last month or earlier, it was in February. I found out in February. I'm pretty sure it was February, uh, maybe January. But I found out through a person, his name is Jay Lynch. He has a show on the Z Talk Radio Network. I, I forgot to look up what the name of the show is. I haven't heard it, but he has a show on the network and he's also i think program director or something he's he's helps to run the station as it were uh which as far as i know is a pretty loosely run it's not they're not they don't get too tight on on us at least not on me they, they have i haven't gotten any notes from anybody saying hey stop being so skeptical or start being more skeptical or something i don't, I don't get that uh, i just do my show anyway he but he has something to do with uh, running the station. And he posted on the ZTalk Radio Facebook page, which then shared it around, that um, people should listen to Dimland Radio, which is, and he announced this, which is the longest-running show on ZTalk Radio. This one. ZTalk Radio. The, the station whose programming policy is to primarily promote the paranormal and pseudoscience. See, I, I pronounced the P because I was doing an alliteration thing. I, I, if you write it out, it looks okay. You know, all the, you know the, the P's in front of all those words. But, you know, pseudoscience, you don't pronounce the P. But I did it then because I wanted the alliteration thing to work on the radio. See, that would be something that other people would edit out. But nope, I keep it right in. Anyway, so yeah, Dimland Radio is the longest-running, still-existing show on ZTalk Radio. And the not-so-skeptical were skeptical of the skeptic. Hmm, they didn't think he'd last. Actually, I don't know anybody who was skeptical of whether I'd last or not. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that. Uh, now, technically... If I'm going to be pedantic, there is one other show that's been running on ZTalk Radio longer than than uh, Dimland Radio, but it is not a ZTalk Radio production. You know, at the beginning of my show, it says the following is a production of ZTalk Radio or something like that. And it's this other program that's that that is still on here and has been on here longer than than Dimland Radio. Uh, that doesn't have that in front of the show. And which one is that? That's Big Picture Science, which if you're up on a Saturday night and you're in the chat room listening to me and, and you maybe have some insomnia or something, just stick around because Big Picture Science comes on right after I finish my show. And there's two episodes every week. 
it's uh, it's my job to make sure that I get the new show uh, in place uh, in the uh, in the auto DJ thing so it gets played. Uh, so yeah, big picture science has been around on Z Talk longer than I have, but it's not a Z Talk radio show. Mine is, so it's the longest running one. What do you know? I mean, I've outlasted. Uh, I outlasted my friend's show. I've outlasted. Uh, that was called. Jeez, I can't remember what he called his show. Doesn't matter. Um, I've outlasted uh, morning coffee. I've outlasted the Canadian X Talk Radio. I think that's what it was called. I've outlasted that. I've outlasted Paradigm Shift. I've outlasted the flagship show of this station, The Buzz. Now I'm not saying I'm better than any of them. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm more stubborn. <laughs> I don't know when to quit. And, uh, and I've stuck around. And um, I have developed some, uh, at least one relationship through this internet thing. But uh, I do have some regular listeners that I should say hello to. Hello. And uh, and thank them for being regular listeners. There's Craig. He's a relatively new re- regular listener, but he does. but he's been here for a while now. Now, he's a friend of mine. He's one of the elders of the Minnesota Skeptics, and uh, he helps me uh, on occasion. I will bounce ideas off of him and get get his opinion on some things. And while I'm putting together future shows, what am I going to talk about? That kind of thing. When they start to think about these things, um, he helps there, and it's, and he and he helps me uh, stay honest as a skeptic. And and he you know, points out where I've screwed something up or got something wrong, uh, and he gives, throws a potential idea every now and then of something I might talk about. Uh, and so that's cool that he shows up most nights, uh, most Saturday nights in the chat room. It's really cool. And uh, then there's um, uh, there's my younger brother uh, Steve. He comes in somewhat periodically. He he'd be more regular for a while than others, but it's nice to have my younger brother paying a little attention to me. And of course, I have to say, there's Trisha. Trisha has been the listener to this show since I did guest appearances on my friend's show. Since I was just a guy in the chat room, Dr. Dim in the chat room. Uh, she's, you know, she, she's known me since then, and she's listened to virtually every show I've done since the beginning. She's only missed a handful over the years, and it's weird when she's not there. But and I mean, you can't get more loyal than that. And I thank you, Trisha, for listening. It's it's really cool. I mean, when I pop into the into the chat room on uh, what about, at about I don't know ten minutes to well ten or fifteen minutes before I start my show, I'll put in a, a, a just a simple three word phrase into the chat room. I am here. And usually, not long after that, I get a hello from Trisha. She's there, and it's it's nice to know. And and so that's so that's great. So. Nine year, four hundred episodes, nine years, longest running Z Talk radio show. How about that, huh? There you go. I had this happen the other day. Uh, this was uh, uh, I, I was out and about during the day, uh, delivering supplies or whatever I was doing, and I decided to stop at this uh, convenience store slash gas station that's near my office, and. Now, I'd been in there before, many times. And one of the times I'd been there before, there was a young woman that, um, you know, was working the register, and she uh, does my order. And there was something about her that struck me. Um, and I, I, please don't think that I'm, I'm poking fun at her or 
denigrating her at all. She can't help what her eyes look like. She, she can't help that. I, she she didn't blink much, uh, and that's that's always kind of weird. Yeah, but you know, it's just that's just how she was. But she has the unfortunate thing of of when you look at a person's eyes, you, it looks like it's a there's a blankness to the look. You know, not that she's not there. She she was very attentive, very nice. I'm sure she's very smart and 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 a nice, good person. Does a good job at her at her job, you know, and all that. I'm sure. It's it, sure. It it just I just that's it just struck me about the eyes, and that reminded me of uh, the time, uh, the two times that I had met a supermodel. That's right. I've met supermodels, however briefly, but I've met two supermodels in my life. Um, uh, the first one was uh, Cheryl Teagues. A friend of mine that I went to high school with called me up and said, Hey, we got to go down to Sears. There was a Sears store that's since closed uh, that uh, she was doing an in-store appearance. She had some line of perfume or clothes or something that was coming out. and So she was doing an in-store appearance. And so you get in, get in line. They, they have these 8x10 glossies of her and you... She'll sign it for you. And I remember getting to the... She's sitting at a table. She's got her, her people around her. And she's just, you know, what's your name? And I gave a name. I actually said uh, Dr. Dim. Uh, or Dim. I think I, think, I think I said Dim. She just looked at it and said, Dim? And I said, yeah, my parents weren't expecting much. And uh, she chuckled at that joke. And um, But I was struck by her eyes. I mean, she was a beautiful woman, obviously, a supermodel. She's, her eyes were just... Fantastic! There's just something about it. Now she was wearing some cleavage-revealing outfit, and my friend was struck by her cleavage, and I just I didn't notice, and I, damn, I missed out on it. But anyway, um, but her eyes just struck me. But there, it, not only that, there was a, there's a there was an intelligence behind her eyes. Maybe that's not the right word. There was a there was a presence behind her eyes. You know, some people just have that vacant look. Doesn't mean they're not intelligent. Doesn't mean they're not present. It just means that there's something about it. Yeah, they don't blink. The, they have a tendency to stare. It's just whatever, whatever it is. And so she didn't have that. She had these just really alive, present eyes that just were just piercing, beautiful. Eyes. And she was, you know, gorgeous woman, of course. And and that struck me. And now the second supermodel that I met, however briefly, was Kathy Ireland. Uh, I met her through a friend of mine that I went to high school, went to school all the way to grade school through high school. He uh, went on to be a photographer for a while, and he had a gig doing, um, uh, you know, photographing, you know, guy at uh, at a bridal um, convention. You know, it's like the, you know, some, yeah, the big bridal show, whatever it is, and and, and he needed an assistant, and he he hired me for for cheap, but he hired me to help change film and the cameras and get things set up and ready, and was, and so I did that, and and Kathy Ireland was at this convention, and she was doing the same thing that Cheryl Teagues was doing at the at the Sears. You go through the line, and there's an eight by ten glossy of her. She'll sign it to you. I said sign it to Dim, and she just went. Hmm. She didn't react. Huh? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> whatever, and it's fine because you got a lot of people to get through the line. What are you going to do? And she had also just beautiful eyes, except she had that thing, that vacant thing. She's. It doesn't mean that she's not there. Doesn't mean that she's not intelligent. Doesn't mean any of that. It's just that's just the look in the eyes. It just was. She had that. 
So I it, you know, I just noticed that, and I don't know. Maybe she didn't blink as much. That I think blinking might have part of it. If you don't blink much, that it, there's something off-putting about that. I think. Um, but then what do I know? Okay, so that's you know those are the two supermodels I I've met, however briefly, and. Um, this gal at the convenience store, she had that, the Kathy Ireland kind of eye thing going. All right. Uh, I guess her, she has nice eyes, as far as I can remember. And it's, all right, so that's made an impression on me. So I remembered that the next time I went to the store, which was just this past week, I think it was. Yeah, this past week. I dropped in to get some snack thing, and I go up to the counter, and there she is. And she's, we're doing this, and I'm noticing the eyes. There's, yeah, there they are. There's this, it's, she, she's not blinking. She, she kind of stares at me a little bit. And we're going through the process of, you know, paying for that. And I said, uh, she's bagging it up for me. It's okay, I get a receipt, please. And she gets the receipt. She puts it in the bag. And she hands it to me. And then she says, God bless you. And, did I respond by saying, um, you know, which God? Uh, or did I respond by saying, hey, that's being rather presumptuous, don't you think? I mean, not everybody believes in the same God, and not everybody believes in God. Aren't you just uh, presuming that I'm that I believe in God? That this is going to mean something to me? I didn't lecture her on that. I didn't think to say that. I didn't think to say, you know, to hold up the devil fingers and say Satan rules or you know, hail Satan. I didn't think to do that. What did I say? Thank you. <laughs> and walked out. Now, I was, I swear to you, I was not thanking her for God blessing me. I wasn't thanking her for that. I, we were finishing this transaction. She was handing me the stuff that I bought, and I was thanking her for handing me the stuff I bought. But it, the timing just hit just right. She, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I know I gave her a look, though. Like, uh, uh, what was that? <laughs> but I went on my way. I was, I just, I, I, I came away from that feeling just oddly bemused. <laughs> so now, uh, you know, and of course I thought of all these things after, at least, why didn't I say, why didn't I at least say, I didn't realize I sneezed? No, why didn't, I, I didn't, nope, just thank you. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Um. If I, I'm, I'm going to go to that store again, and if she pulls it again, I'm wondering, I, 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 you know, I might just end up going, just looking at her like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe I should get uh, like an atheist button and just wear it every time I go in there. <laughs> so it says atheist, but the, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to look for it. I don't want to challenge anybody. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. I'm sure she's very nice, and she... Obviously, she believes in the invisible sky daddy and thinks that invoking him for me is going to do something for me. But, I, you know, I don't know. What, what are you going to do with kids today? I, I just don't know. But I do know I'm going to take my break. You're listening to Dimland Radio, uh, my first break, uh, uh, listening to Dimland Radio, show 400, nine years, longest running show on Z Talk Radio. I'll be back after this.
we'll all be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Hey, y'all. This is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there, too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh**. Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jen, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, um, this is something I've been meaning to get to for a few weeks now. I just haven't, I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, talked about other things. Uh, I've talked about movies and and the the need to be able to suspend your disbelief. I've talked about that in the past, and I. I think I've used this example. I'll do it again. Uh, the example of, of using Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars is a space fantasy western kind of film and and or series of films. But let's just talk about the first one, uh, the 1977 release. Um, you have to be able to suspend your disbelief to accept that people can travel in via in space vehicles that can go faster than the speed of light. That there's space vehicles like that. That you can that there's lightsabers and there's a thing called the Force, you know, which is magic. You have to accept all these things, and that there's all kinds of alien creatures and and they interact with each other. And it's just, you have to be able to suspend your disbelief to be able to, um, you know, to accept that movie. And then I, I think I've also talked about how sometimes uh, or a part of suspension of disbelief is that the the film, if it's if it's especially if it's like Star Wars, they they, they set up a, 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 the rules for the the world in which that takes place. And it's not the same world that we live in. It's not the real world, but in the world that that play takes place, there's there are some rules that come up with it. That's why I had a problem with Yoda 
who is 900 years old in the prequels. He's 900 years old. He walks around with a cane. He makes great effort to walk and move around. And yet, when he gets in a lightsaber battle, he can fly through the air. And it's just... It, <sighs> Well, what you know? What is it? You know, well, he's so steeped in the force at that point that he can do that. Yeah, well, come on, isn't he steeped in the force all the time? What the heck? You know, it's just whatever. Um, so that was a thing that, that seemed to break the rule of the world a little bit. Not terrible. The prequels have their own pro set of of problems, but okay. Star Wars. I have a friend, uh, John. John, I went to school with uh, since junior high. And he, uh, he and I were, you know, drinking buddies when we got older, and in my more active drinking days. And we were at the bar once. I may have told this story on the sh in the 400 episodes in over nine years, longest running show on Z Talk Radio. Um, I may have told this before, but John, we were t we started talking about Star Wars, and he told me that when he saw it, he was the same age essentially that I was. I was about like 12, 11 or 12 when I saw Star Wars. So was he. And he said he didn't like it. He didn't like Star Wars. I said, what? You were, you were 12. What do you mean he didn't like Star Wars? I didn't like it. I said, what was wrong with this? I thought the, the robots were stupid. C-3PO and R2-D2. He thought they were stupid. And he couldn't, he couldn't suspend his disbelief. As a 12-year-old, he couldn't, he couldn't suspend his disbelief and accept that the robots would act the way they were acting, that, that uh, they would be these you know, comic relief characters, essentially, is what they were in the movies, although they had some important move-the-story-along aspects to them as well. But he just, he just couldn't accept them. He couldn't suspend his disbelief. I did manage to get him to admit that up until the robots showed up in the movie... And with the big Imperial ship that flies overhead as it enters the screen, which is something that we'd never seen in a movie that's just like that, that quite at that scale and at that, that speed and that just to see something like that, I got him to admit that it was cool up until that point. You know, through that, that was cool. He said, that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. But then the robot showed up and ruined everything. <laughs> so he couldn't suspend his disbelief. And I did also tell him, you know, you were never a child. You just weren't. You were grown. You were born old. That's me being a friend. Okay, I bring this up because I watched. Uh, it's been a couple months now, but I've watched two movies for the very first time. Both these movies came out in 1990. Uh, they both of these movies were very successful in the box office, uh, and and they're and both of them are generally highly thought of by. My fans, my movie fans. Maybe not critics so much, but yeah, movie fans. And uh, the first one is Total Recall. And that's with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's a, it's a it's a set in the set in the not too distant future. It's a sci-fi film. Uh, he plays a guy that wants to have adventure in his life, and he he he, he gets he takes part in this this uh, take a vacation in your in your mind, and they get the program goes into your brain that implants all these memories, and you 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 and they're real to you, and it seems like you've been on a vacation to Mars. Mars had some. Uh, colonies on it, and he always wanted to go to Mars, and and then he takes the special package to be a secret agent. And the movie has a little bit of fun uh, using the okay, is what's happening part of the vacation thing he's doing, or is it really happening? And I won't spoil it for you on how it is, even though the movie is from 1990. 
And you know, the acting in it isn't isn't stellar. I mean, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He does fine. Ronnie Cox is in it, and I always I always like Ronnie Cox in any movie I see him in. Uh, he's even a little over the top in it, but I think that's what's called for in the movie. But I had no problem suspending my disbelief. Sure, pulling that thing, that egg out of his nose that had a tracking device in his, you know, the pull it, that got, you know, I was like, I'm not sure if you could do that, but okay. I, I still went with it. It was fine. And I enjoyed the film for what it was. It, I found it you know, pretty entertaining, pretty fun, and I accepted it. I didn't have any problem suspending my disbelief. The other movie, though, 1990 as well, Die Hard 2. You know, the Bruce Willis film. He plays John McClane, super cop. He, um... He... This time, in this movie... Uh, now, okay, I liked Die Hard. I liked the first one. Uh, and I saw the third one, and I and liked it when I saw it. Now, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't know if my feelings might have changed on it since then, but... I liked uh, Die Hard a lot, and it does stretch credulity, but here's the thing. Die Hard, these Die Hard movies, they take place in the real world, essentially. This is stuff that's, that this isn't a fantasy world, it isn't sci-fi, it's not set in the future, it's set today, or when the movies take place, and it's, it's supposed to be the real world. So... It has to follow the the rules of the real world. It can stretch them, and that you know, McLean is a super cop, and and the bad guys all tend to be bad shots and always miss them when they shoot at them. You know, you have to accept that. You and I had no problem suspending my disbelief for that in in the original Die Hard movie. It didn't. It it you know it kept it. It was big, but it kept it small enough, so it didn't you know it didn't feel over the top to me. The way Die Hard 2 did, and you know, so it's one cop against a bunch of terrorists that have, you know, these co these terrorists have taken over a high-rise office building, and and he thwarts their plans, and it's fun, and yeah, it gets a little, it gets, it stretches to the breaking point, the you know, suspension of disbelief, but it never breaks it, and it also has a great villain, Alan Rickman playing. Hans Gruber. And what's also great about uh, Die Hard is the way John McClane, the good guy, and Hans Gruber, the bad guy, interact with each other, you know, through the walkie-talkies and, and you know, it's, it's, it's great. That, that's a great bit. And, and you know, and, and Gruber's such a terrific villain. Smart, erudite, uh, cool, uh, well-groomed, good-looking. You know, he's just, he's, you know, he's got his stuff together. He's a bit cold, but he's just... He's barely, you know, he's, he's not completely unflappable, but he keeps it together pretty well. And just the, in that voice, the Alan Rickman has such a great voice. So it really worked. All right, so the next movie, the villain in that one is, uh, is uh, uh, William Sadler, I believe his name is, the actor. And he plays uh, Colonel Stewart. Now, he's, he's fine. The actor does, does a good job. And he looks really good naked. I mean, if you like looking at naked men, I mean, he's, he's at the beginning of the movie, he's doing some kind of Tai Chi exercise, you know, and he's flexing every muscle he's got. Uh, and, you know, so, and then he, he 
he plays a, a former colonel in the Special Forces American Army or something uh, who had, I guess, was forced to retire through some controversy. or I, I can't remember exactly. And he gets together this team of mercenaries who are guys that were that served with him. And he's uh, he's gonna he's going to um, he's gonna f- uh, free a uh, foreign general of some uh, like Central American country that's some drug lord guy that's being extradited from Mexico. I think it's Mexico. I mean, flown to wa- the Washington D.C. airport and going to be hurt, uh, turned over to the American authorities. But this guy is going to intercept that. He's going to stop that from happening. And how he does it is they take over this church, this uh, uh, demagicked church. It's a, a non-functional church anymore. Uh, so they, they take that over because it's right next to the airport and they, they get all this equipment in there and they take over the air traffic control capabilities. They take it over. You know, and, and so they start issuing demands. So there's planes flying around the airport, and they want it kept open so that when the bad general gets brought in, they can take them and leave and all that kind of you know, whatever. So And John McClane, super cop, notices something's wrong, and he goes and does his thing. And it stretches, it stretches the, the suspension of disbelief. It does. And, and, but I'm going with it. It's still not bad. It's, it's not the same as the first movie, but it's not bad. And he, he butts heads with, uh, with the, the captain of the police force that is stationed within the airport. I believe that's how it is. Uh, this Captain Lorenzo, who's played by Dennis Franz, or Dennis Franz, I can't remember how he says his last name. Anyway, and they butt heads the whole time. Hey, you know what you're talking about, McLean? You might have been hot stuff last year, but you're not, you know, you're not a super cop here, so, you know, don't know, just get out of here and stay out of our, you know, that's the kind of thing. And in comes Major Grant, played by John Amos, and he comes in with a special force team from the Army to go up against this terrorist guy. I know this guy, you know, I served with him, I know, I know him. So, all right. Anybody watching this movie should have noticed this telegraphed uh, a mile away. Should have seen this, that the two groups, the terrorist group and this, the special forces group, are in cahoots. Because the terrorist group, they're using uh, their machine guns, and they've got the, the two magazine clips you know, for their, their bullets. They, they tape two together, you know, and so they can, they can you know, when one empties out, they can just pull that out, flip it, and put the, you know, flip the other one and put it in. And those are taped with red tape. There's going to be some spoilers here, so sorry. Flip, it's got red tape. But then at some point, when they know the Special Forces guys are coming... The, the, you know, the Colonel Stewart, the bad guy, gives the order to switch to the blue. So they, everybody uses the blue, the, the magazine clips that are taped together with blue tape. And immediately I said, blanks, watching the movie. i never seen this movie before. Okay, I said, blanks. And then the Special Forces guy, guys, they have blue taped magazine clips. And I said, they're in on it. They're in cahoots. I mean, any outage member should have noticed that right away. I'm not sure if the movie was trying to make it a secret or surprise or whatever, but McLean didn't notice. There's a big shootout at the church, and the special forces guy that are coming to get the terrorists, they're shooting at each other with blanks. And 
the you know, and McLean doesn't notice that they're shooting at each other with blanks. But that doesn't, but that's understandable because you're in a firefight, right? Now he's got a gun with bullets in it, but he's busy fighting this other guy, one of the terrorists. He's busy fighting fist to cuffs with the guy, and 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 uh, you know so not noticing that nobody's getting shot and the trees and the buildings and the ground isn't getting hit by bullets, not noticing that, it's understandable. I'm okay with that. So, all right. But then, oh, you know what I should do? I should take my next break. <laughs> I'll be back to talk more about this. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return after this break. Station's not your cup of tea. Drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. (laughs) You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Influenza season is upon us and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now and you'll protect not only yourself but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm going on about this suspension of disbelief. I'm building to the moment. All right, I'm building to the moment in the film Die Hard 2. And again, there's spoilers on this thing. If you haven't seen the movie, you know, it's from 1990. How many years is that? That's a few. Like 29 years? Okay. Anyway. This big shootout happens at the church. The terrorist guys, they some of them take off, and they get on these snowmobiles, and they start to head. There's a lake right there, and they go across the lake and head off. It's frozen. It's winter. I should say that. It's frozen. Winter. Snow all over the place, okay? Washington, D.C. So they, they head off. 
McLean is now chasing after them. He's he's got live rounds in his gun. He doesn't know about the blanks yet. He shoots the last guy in the in the in the snowmobile line. Grabs that snowmobile. Grabs the guy's machine gun with the blue tape on the uh, on the clips, and he takes off after the other guys. Who and you know what? This leads me to one of these. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Okay, if you'll allow me to just do a little aside here, um, this is this is a trope in movies where there are chase scenes, and although sometimes I can understand how it can happen, but so often the the people being chased have uh, quite the head start, but the chaser always manages to catch up. And it's I mean, or not shouldn't say always. When it's convenient for the movie, they manage to catch up, and and they might be you know driving the same vehicles. So well, you know, presumably the people running away are going as fast as they can. How is it this guy catches up? And especially here in this movie, Die Hard Two, the other the bad guys are on the snowmobilers. Snowmobiles. They're all the same type of snowmobile. The other guys have a head start on the, on him. They're going as fast as they can, and yet John McClane catches up to them. How does that happen? I mean, you know, I'm assuming these these snowmobiles have the same top speed. They're all the same. So how would he catch up to them? But he does. He manages to catch up to them. I don't think he should catch up to them. What I think they should have done, and they missed this opportunity. As I said, there's a frozen lake there. I think they do show that the ice breaks uh, with a snowmobile or something, I think. Anyway, um, you know, sometimes spots on lakes stay open. And they don't have to explain why it stayed open, but there's a lake over by here. During the winters, there's a part of that lake that uh, for some years, the ducks would hang around. They wouldn't leave for the winter. And they'd just hang around, they'd swim in that part of the lake, and they'd keep it open. They'd be iced over all the rest of the lake, but right there where the ducks have been hanging out, they keep it open, see? So for whatever reason, that little bit of the lake could be still open. Now McLean shoots the guy on the, on the snowmobile, runs up and gets it, grabs his machine gun with the blanks, at, which McLean doesn't know yet, and and realizes these guys are ahead. They're, going, they're not going across the lake, the bad guys. They're going around on the trail. So he sees, the only way I'm going to catch these guys is if I cut across the lake, because the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And then you show him zoom that, that snowmobile across the open water and onto the ice. Now that is possible to do. So show that, and then he, he cuts the difference in, the, in, the, in you know, them going around the lake, and he goes straight across. That's how he catches up. Maybe it's a minor thing, but I would have liked to have seen that. That might have been a cool scene, to have him just skitter across the water and get on the ice and catch up to him. Anyway, so he catches up to him, and at this point, the bad guys, they switch to the red clips because they want to kill this guy. So they start shooting him. Well, they shoot the, 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 the snowmobile out from under him. Now, McLean, he's shooting at them too, but he's shooting blanks. He doesn't know it yet. Off they go. He, they get away, and he's, he's sitting there and says, How could I miss? Like, how did, I had him right there. How did I miss? And then he's, Oh, man, he figures it out. Okay, up to this point. I was able to suspend my disbelief. I was able to go along with it. Yeah, I cracked the blanks thing long before McLean did. 
but he wasn't privy to the information I had. And and I and like I said, that, I don't think that's some great defeat uh, or great feat because you know, most audience members, I'm sure, would look at that and say, "Yeah, there weren't they're, they're blanks, and these guys are working in on it together." I'm sure they figured it out right as soon as I did. Anyway, so McLean makes his way back to the police station in Dulles Airport, which is in Washington D.C. And the captain, of course, is not happy to see him. Now, by this time, the cops in the in this this station are used to McLean. He's been there a few times. So when he walks in carrying a machine gun, they don't freak out. All right. So so like if they didn't know who he was, they should freak out, right? But they know who he is. So he comes in and he goes over to Captain Lorenzo and and he, Captain Lorenzo and his best Dennis Franz is saying, "Yo, McLean, I'm tired of you. You're get out of here." And all this kind of crap. He's just yelling at him. You're always coming in. And he and and McLean says, "Look, they're working together. They're working together." And he won't. And and the captain won't believe him. And McLean gets frustrated. And this is what he does. He steps back. McLean does, and he aims the machine gun at the captain, and he starts shooting the captain. Now, we know he's shooting blanks, or we it, it, maybe the film didn't realize that we figured it out that he was shooting blanks because they would have thought, you know, you know it's like, here's the big reveal. Because the captain just re- freaks out, you know, he's, ah, he's got his hands, he's closing his eyes, he's like, ah, 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 but he's not getting shot. The glass wall behind him isn't breaking up with the bullets hitting it. It's, he's, ah, and then when it, you know, he should have pissed himself. I think most anybody would, and it'd be understandable. But he's fine. He's alive. And now he understands what McLean's been telling him. The two groups are in on it. These are blanks. This is one of the guns from the terrorists. They were shooting blanks at the special forces guy. They're in on it. So then they become great pals, and they, they, they move forward together as a team or something you know, in the game. Now, here's the thing. McLean is in a police station. He's in a squad room. He's surrounded by police officers who are armed with weapons with live ammo. And he starts shooting their captain. In the real world, McLean is dead. There is, you know, the rest of the movie, he's a ghost. He is dead. They, they even show a couple officers lowering their handguns. They had drawn their weapons. They were aiming them at him while he's shooting their captain. And then they lower the weapons once they realize that uh, the captain's not dead, it's blanks, and everybody's friends again. And it's just, no, no, that's not going to happen. I was watching this, and I said, no. I, said, I was watching on my laptop with the headphones on. My wife was sitting next to me on the couch, and I went, I said, no, no, that's not, no, McLean is dead. McLean is dead. Long live McLean. He's, I'm talking on my show, dear. He's dead. My wife just said, what's going on down there? <laughs> anyway, he's dead. There's no way. The cops are going to get away with that. Let him get. Away. They're going to just. They're going to empty all their rounds into him, because as far as they know, he's shooting their captain. Unless they said, you know, we really didn't care for the captain as it was, so go ahead and kill him. If you turned the gun on me, I'd shoot him. But pfft, go ahead, shoot. I. It's uh. It, and that that is where it broke. It snapped. It broke. I was. I was done. I, I watched the rest of the movie. I couldn't accept anything that happened after it. Because as far as I was concerned, as I said, McLean was a ghost. He was dead. Now, you can try to convince me otherwise, but 
I could not I could not get past that. My suspension of disbelief was broken at that point and just I could not get it back. And there are some people out there who I'm sure look at Die Hard 2 and that's their favorite in the whole franchise and that's fine. There's no wrong answers. It's art, it's subjective, it's what you like. But I couldn't do it. I I I I was done. And I just went with the rest of the movie and watched it, and it did all the things I thought it was going to do. And it comes to its conclusion, and McLean's the hero of the day, and he saves his wife again, and yada yada. But here's something else. You know how when Die Hard, you know, it, it, when Christmas rolls around, there seems to be this debate through social media and on the radio, and you know, I, I hear it around. There's a debate that goes around saying, is, or asking, is Die Hard, the original, is it a Christmas movie? And, you know, because it takes place around Christmas, and, the, and people call it a Christmas movie. And I, you know, I have an answer for that. No, it's not. It's not a Christmas movie. Uh, it's no more a Christmas movie than Poseidon Adventure is a New Year's Eve movie because that takes place on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I mean, just as midnight is, is called on the ship and everybody sings, you know, says Happy New Year and they sing Old Lang Syne and before they get a chance to sing New York, New York, the wave comes and tips the ship over. I don't know what it does in the remake if it's on New Year's, but in the original movie, it's on New Year's. But So, you know, Die Hard is no more a Christmas movie than... Poseidon Adventure is a New Year's Eve, New Year's Day movie. And it's no more, a, uh, Die Hard, is no more a Christmas movie than Jaws is a 4th of July movie. The 4th of, you know, Jaws is set in the days leading up to the 4th of July weekend and over that weekend. You know, it's, but it's, it's not a 4th of July movie. It's, a, it's an action-adventure monster movie. Yeah, and, and it's, so, it's not. It's not a Christmas movie, um, you know. So I mean, if you think it's a Christmas movie, then you got to think any movie that has any holiday in it is a is that holiday movie, right? But then I thought to myself, what about It's a Wonderful Life? Is that a Christmas movie? Well, going by my logic, no, it's not. Even though it gets played around Christmas every year, it may be. It has come to be embraced as a Christmas movie, and that's why it gets played every year around Christmas. Maybe, but really, it's not. It just, Christmas happens in it, and the it all the crescendo, the the big moment, takes place on Christmas uh, at the end of the movie. But that doesn't make it a Christmas movie to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, so I suppose if Die Hard starts getting played around Christmas, then. Maybe somebody would have an argument there. But here's the thing. Here's another little thing. Die Hard 2 takes place around Christmas. Why aren't people debating whether or not that's a Christmas movie? I think it's because they had their suspension of disbelief broken at the same time I did, and they just don't want to admit it. So they just kind of set that movie aside and just focus on the first one, which didn't break our suspension of disbelief. At least it didn't break mine. Oh, gosh, how much time have I got left in the show? Uh, i got a few minutes. Okay, um, this, this 
speaking of the internets, uh, have you guys heard about the Momo challenge? Have you heard about that? I saw it happening on, on Facebook. I saw all these posts of this creepy female-ish face on, you know, in the, in the, in the pictures and s stuff about it. I just started seeing that, but I didn't look into it. Um, I just kept seeing this thing. And the face, it's, 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 uh, it's almost like, um, it looks to me like, like Shelley Duvall in The Shining at her most frightened yeah, but but the eyes are even more circular and more uh, popped and the this the there's a smile on the face that's that's very ex extreme it's an extreme smile and tiny little nostrils for the nose and the face is otherwise pretty smooth um but it just reminds me of uh, of Shelley Duvall I wouldn't be surprised if the artist that created it uh was influenced a little bit by her face from the shining and anyway, so there's and and that it was an artist that created this image. It was a sculpture called Motherbird, and it was done by a special effects artist for uh, for a company called uh, Link Factory, a Japanese special effects company. And his name is uh, boy, if I'm going to get this wrong, Keisuke Asawa. Asawa. Kasuki Asawa. If I mess that up, I'm sorry. Um, it's just I'm not. I'm sorry. So, but anyway, this, so this fellow created this image, uh, this this sculpture. Uh, it's a it's a it's you know it's this mother bird and it's a it's got this face, this human woman's face, which is stylized and, and as I described it, and it's got human lady boobs hanging there, and it's got legs like uh, like bird legs and the back end like a bird, but the at the the, the bird feet look like hands with big claws on them and it's just an odd looking thing and and the picture got posted a, know, a number of years ago and then somebody grabbed it and and came up with this idea of this momo challenge the mo it's like it's some app that the kids are downloading and it gives them a challenge to do and it starts off fairly simple innocuous and then these challenges get more and more dangerous as you do it until the final challenge is to, for them to kill themselves which is almost precisely the blue whale challenge that was just from a couple few years ago. It's almost precisely the same kind of thing. It's 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 a hoax. There's no blue whale challenge. The kids weren't going into it. There's no Momo challenge. It's a hoax. And it seems that uh, only the uh, there's an article that I'll link to on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, click on the blog option, you'll get to the show notes and there's it's it's talking about how only you know adults on social media and in the news media fell for this hoax. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. Now the artist has destroyed the the piece of art. Uh, I guess it was breaking down. I think it might have been paper mache or something that he made it of, and he said it was it was going bad anyway. So he he destroyed it, um, which is his prerogative. He's the artist. He can destroy his own art if he wants. It's like smashing your guitar. <laughs> Speaking of which. Um, so yeah, I'll link about that. It's an interesting story. And uh, let's see, three cool things. I think. Do I have time to? Yeah, I'm. I'm at the. Yeah, yeah. Three cool things. Um, the first cool thing is I've got another podcast that I started listening to. Not every episode, but the ones that I find the most interesting. Uh, it's called. It's. Uh, I guess it's been around for a few years. It's. Uh, it's a. It's also a show on Sirius Radio Station, whatever that thing is called. Um, it's it's a it's put out by Rolling Stone magazine and it's called Rolling Stone Music Now, 
and it's uh, it's about music and uh, and so I've listened to a few of the few of them. I was looking for more. Well, I hate to admit it, uh, but I was looking for more podcast stuff about the Who. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and I found some on there. Uh, there's an interview with Pete Townsend on one episode. There's an interview with Roger Daltrey on another. And there's some other stuff. And um, uh, I listened to that. It, there's, there's, And there's a sub-cool thing to this one in that uh, the Pete Townsend one and the um, the Roger Daltrey one, they both mentioned that, uh, well, Pete Townsend definitely said that uh, there will be a new Who album this year. Maybe in May or June, a new album. He's got something like 15 demos all set. He's just waiting on Roger to get back to him about whether or not he wants to do it, and he's sure they'll do it. And uh, so it'd be cool to get a new, uh, uh, new Who album. I know, I know, one of the purists out there. Well, it's not the Who. It's just uh, Roger and Pete. You know, come on. No, uh, they're they're. It'll be nice. It'll be 13 years since there was a new Who album. And after, and before that, it was 1982, with its hard, uh, or was that 81? 82, I think it was. So it'll be nice. It'll be cool. I, I mean, I'm I'm in, I'm in, I'm enthused to see it. Uh, the number two cool thing for this week is uh, the Sgt. Pepper's and White album remixes. Uh, it, the son of George Martin, Giles Martin has taken all the tapes and everything that uh, of these albums, and he's gone through them, and he's He's remixed them a little bit, or, or quite a bit. He's 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 not tried to change them, except he's he's brought out background vocals and the sounds. He's he's cleaned it. He's taken the filters off of it. It's like the way they had to record back then. You would you could lose a lot of detail in the music, and it would get a little muddy in some areas. So he cleaned away the mud, and it's very interesting. You still have the the 19, uh, the 2009 remasters. That it were put out, and that if you want to hear, that's more like the original sound. Uh, but this one, I, I think they're pretty cool. And then there's, if, they're on Spotify, and they got all kinds of demos and and other you know, takes and uh, you know, additional takes of that. It's just really interesting, really cool, and it's an interesting experience to listen. To them. I would suggest you listen on headphones. That's the best way. And let's see. Oh yeah, and the three cool, number three cool thing, four hundred shows, nine years. Longest-running Z-Talk radio show. I mean, that's pretty darn cool, wouldn't you agree? I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, that's the end of 400 shows. Let's see if I can do another 400. We'll see how far I'll go. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I got a little heated there about the things, and my wife yelled at me, what are you going to do? <laughs> Be skeptical, extraordinary claims, and all that. Uh, uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio, and I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, I'm going to hell.